0: All right, beautiful people, welcome back to the podcast, One Man and One Tree in the Hill. I'm your host, two-time wrestling champion, stand-up comedian, Jared Waters, and we're at part two of episode 84, The Anchorage with Scotty Hottie, a.k.a. Scott Monahan, the only dude right now that doesn't have an OnlyFans page. Uh, a lot of people have been emailing us, does he have an OnlyFans page? He doesn't. Uh, he has taken. He is not single as well. You, you know what? Let's listen to the rest of the story. Ladies and gentlemen, this is part two of The Anchorage with Scott Monahan, Scotty
1: Hottie. But for me in the sports, it's like, I like to have, it's like, I like to have a high, a high ceiling, the higher the ceiling, the more competitive I become. Okay. So in a big city, I was like, cool. The ceiling is impossibly tall. So there's, it gives me all that room to grow.
0: What was the walk to the first year in LA? What's that like? What's the toughest thing in LA that you've done the first year?
1: I mean, I think, I think it was, the toughest thing was just getting my my grasp around being in a big city like that, and you know, getting a job and paying the rent and creating a social life, meeting people. Um, Where
0: did you work at? What was your first job in L.A.?
1: Oh man, uh, my first job, I worked as a uh, a hookah boy, in a <laughs> <laughs> in a Persian Armenian um, hookah lounge and nightclub. Hookah boy. Yeah, so I would go around and bring. I would, you know, put together their their concoction of strawberry and mint or oh have you tried the double X and and Peach? That's I call that the, you know, that's the that's a Scotty Too Hottie, you know? <laughs> <laughs> Scotty Too Hottie. <laughs> but, but I met um, my first the first celebrity sighting I had was Craig Ferguson. Oh yeah. You know from, him?
0: Yeah, the comedian, yeah.
1: Yeah, I was, I was inside, I bring the hookah over to the table and I was like, uh, <laughs> you're, uh, hey man, how's it going? <laughs> that, was, that was pretty cool.
0: So as you're working in this, the hookah shop, mm-hmm. how do you develop your schedule? Like these are the days I'm going to go audition. Like, what is that like? Do you get an agent? Do you do anything else? What's, how do you get into the business? business?
1: Yeah, well, for, for the first, I mean, what everybody teaches you is get into town, you know, get a day job set up. Um, You got to get your headshots, Uh, um, you know, take an acting class somewhere and like start doing student films. So I just started getting on a website and going out to auditions and, you know, eventually booked a couple of things here and there, put together a reel and then, um, you know, started reaching out to agents. And like for my first couple years in LA, um, Cause I moved out here in 2011 and it's 2020. So it's almost nine years. It's about nine years. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really on that track of like, all right, I've got to book, a national commercial. I've got to get a guest star on a show so that I can get a co-star on a show that I can, you know, then get a recurring role, like this kind of like path that everyone, you know, lays out for you. And um, I was just auditioning all the time. I was going to three or four auditions, commercial auditions a week driving all over town and it started to really weigh on me that I was like I'm not making anything I'm not creating anything I'm going into these these rooms where you know there's 40 dudes that look exactly like me because they're casting my type Mm. and it's like my the artist in me was feeling hungry and I think a lot of actors you see in those moments that you have a one-minute audition that is the only time you're getting to act in your whole week maybe and that wasn't enough for me wow
0: so when you start producing your own content do you realize that you're a writer or did you not know that you're a writer like what are you saying producing your own content no. through that
1: well I, I had when i first went out here i had a group of friends that all um there was like 12 of this like group of friends that all came from boston university and they all studied film and they were all making their own work they were calling them the saturdays and they all worked at different film companies and stuff like that but on saturday they would get together and they would make their own work um and i was a huge fan of at least that was kind of my first group of friends and i was a huge fan of their work and comedy was a something that i was starting to find that i really liked to do um and they gave me an opportunity to be in one and it was like you know after being a fan of their work for so long it was like uh we made this short film and it's still one of my favorite Things I've ever, you know, one of my favorite little videos of a time capsule of Scott Monahan, and uh, it was like, oh man, you can make your own stuff, you can come up with your own ideas, you can film your own thing. Um, and then I went on to finding other people that were making their own stuff, and ended up falling into a, a theater company that was um, in a warehouse space in the arts district of downtown LA that were creating and writing and you know, collaboratively directing and building their own sets and costumes. And you kind of just took on any role that, um, that was needed in that time. And it started to say like, oh, you're not just an actor. You're not just a funny face or a co-star. You're an artist. You can, you can use all these things that you know how to do. You know how to deal with people. You know how to manage people. You know how to lead. You also have a taste for what a set should look like you can build stuff. And it was in that same group of women that I was talking about when I called out for that, that they were all working in that kind of in that, in that company um, and, and, and working alongside women in a creative way of like, what, what do we want to create? What do we want to say? And creating specifically new work that we were writing that for me, the first time was like, Oh, we can write stuff that's relevant to who I am now. Not just trying to find relevancy in Shakespeare, trying to find relevancy in, um, you know, like Tom Stoppard or something. Like, how does this relate to the moment? We were able to make stuff for what we were going through currently.
0: When you get inside this company, do you feel like you're back on side of sports team again? You're like, I got a role. I'm fitting everything else. I'm back to fitting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So what's your favorite genre?
1: Um, Of... Like just in, in general.
0: Like when you're as an artist, as you create, like what do you like creating more? Dramas or
1: Yeah, I think or what? A I space? think I think I love I've always like had a, a huge love for, for comedy. Um, but the some of my favorite comedic moments in movies or even stage plays or television or whatever is those those moments of comedy that come out of true dramatic moments or scenarios. You know, the, the moments you maybe that. not well like um have you ever seen skeleton twins i have not it's a movie um i can't even remember the, the actors names but they're two top top hitters on uh snl and they're brothers and sisters um
0: oh, is it uh kristen wig and um
1: yeah yeah and yes, what's his name
0: yeah you. uh oh buddy and,
1: and, and bill Hader.
0: yes i have seen it yeah. oh i i've seen that movie you know
1: what i'm saying <laughs> Yeah. You have like, you have like comedians at the top of their class, but the, the movie in the, is, is dark and it's emotional. But in those moments of like true, when you see that raw human emotion, there, there's some funny stuff that comes up. Um, so I think that for me in, in the dramatic work or whether it's even like dark material or like whether there's violence involved, there's always there's always a, a through line of, and I think comedy is humanity, it's sometimes how we relate, how we process what we're going through. So yeah, I liked, I like diving into the darker sides of the human experience and human emotion. And it, you know, to also to look at myself and say like, this isn't who I am, but there are these parts of me that I can explore these like shadow sides of myself, whether it be violence and aggression, whether it be, um, you know, whatever those are, you can kind of use your art to, to bring those out and make a comment on them.
0: Do you write that perspective? Like, do you, when you go to that dark place, do you feel like as an actor, do you like do the Meisner type of acting where you get inside the role and you're stuck inside the darkness or you have no problem getting out of it?
1: Um, I have like a pretty good ability to be able to see both at the same time. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the work that um, the, the company that I became a part of and this, this other company, Ceaseless Fun, that I worked with for a while, we would um, devise work so you kind of create a skeleton of what a character is, and then you start through rehearsal experiences uh slowly becoming that and figuring out who that person is um, however the you start to as you start to inhabit this other person more and more, sometimes I find that the separation is hard mm. of because um i like to I like to find if i 'm playing a villain a villain character or an evil character try to find the humanity because if you're watching a movie or a, any kind of piece of art and you're seeing this villain, you have to in, in some way relate or understand maybe what they're going through. Cause that's where the complexity of, for me, when I watch something, a, a dark character on screen and you can, you see the humanity and that they are a person or a soul or whatever brought them to that moment. It makes it more complex to watch them and to decide, you know, how you feel about that character but um
0: it it's been as in recently where dark characters have been have been more they have more background and more depth have you noticed that for the past like 10 years like every mm. bad character is someone that everyone loves
1: mm-hmm. like breaking bad like yes dexter like in the wire uh freaking you know, bane. Like, yeah 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 do you say bane
0: bane yeah bane dark knight
1: what does he say? Uh, hmm. You merely adapted to the dark. Was born, born in it. <laughs> I haven't seen the darkness since I was a young man. <laughs> it's like, all right, like, Bane's about revolution. Okay.
0: Wow, it's time yeah. to break it. I was like, oh. <laughs>
1: Ooh, oh. <laughs> yeah.
0: I think there is the darkness. I think is this. It's something that this country is in love with. Hmm. We've, we've fallen in love with like that art form of just something. So look how everyone's in love with Ted Bundy now.
1: They're mm-hmm. trying
0: to see the lightness in him. I'm like, he was killing chicks. We're like, but he was so romantic. I'm like, what? Yeah.
1: Well, there I think there's a, there's a, there's a, there's a line, right? There's like, um, there's the fetishization of those evil characters or of those dark characters where especially the serial killer fetish is, is, is pretty bizarre. I mean, you, you look at, You know, a show like Law and Order SVU. Mm -hmm. You know, I used to watch that all the time, and now I watch it now. I'm like, why do I need to see a show that is specifically about sexual abuse, episode after episode, binging on TV? Do you not think that that is in some way normalizing this behavior?
0: Mm -hmm.
1: You know, and so, um, you know, by naming, by naming, um, I mean, we see it with race, we see it in, serial killers in the and not even serial killers, but mass murderers in the U S it's like you give them a public platform. You put their name out, you attach adjectives to them that iconicize them in some way, even in infamy, but um, freak, rather, like freaking profile pictures when they upload them, they look like sexy
0: and stuff like that. Yeah.
1: Know. If they're white,
0: the guy that killed the guys in Boston, they put that picture of them. I, was, I thought he was a model for some Arabic company or something like that.
1: Mm-hmm oh yeah
0: would you would you say when you're when you're creating creating and you're making this at the same time you're in la Mm -hmm. your sister's in new york or is your sister in la as well
1: she's in new york
0: do you guys like come first like what's it like in new york everything else like oh yeah theater and movies and stuff like that have you guys ever worked together
1: um we have yet to work together um she started she started making films and creating her own content around the same time I was. Um, And now we're kind of like, you know, I just made a movie. She's made a couple of short films and is pitching pilots. She was part of a Sundance like screenwriting program. Um, She's, and so, yeah, when when we talk oftentimes, I have to, I have to remind, we have to say sometimes, let's let's not talk about business because it can very easily get into just talking about, well, what are you doing? What am I doing? you know, what's going on with that, where to remember that, you know, you're also siblings and
0: family
1: family, and outside of the, you know, what's going on with your project, you know, how are you as a person? Um, but it is, she, she's been the person from ever since I was a kid that was pushing me out. I wouldn't be who I am as an artist today without my sister or just like quite honestly, the women in my life, you know, that um, supported that and fostered that.
0: I've noticed that's a theme with you that the mm-hmm. women in your life have been like the pillars,
1: mm-hmm.
0: pillars for you. Or well, it's not yeah. you looking over them, but it's them making sure that you're strong to hold up your weight of the fence and stuff like that. Yeah. So as you're, you're acting like what's the biggest accomplishment in LA that you've made this for? Have you ever booked a pilot before? Have you ever done any?
1: Um, well before
0: one that you were like, freak, I never thought I worked with this person before.
1: Oh yeah. That was uh, I had a, uh, So I did it. I did a national Pepsi commercial. That was huge. People from all over the country saw that when I, when I first came out here, but, um, I did a, uh, I had a small role college student number one on anger management with Charlie Sheen.
0: Oh, freak.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And I got to do a a table read. I only had one line, you know, like I raised my hand and asked a question. It was part of like a, a setup for a joke. Um, but I got to go to the table read the day before and sit at the table with Martin Sheen. Uh, you know, and I was like, this is, is one of those moments. I mean, I was 22 when this happened, you know, like this, this success kicked in really fast. And there is this kind of sense of like, Oh, here it goes. Next thing, you know, I'm the new Shia LaBeouf, but it doesn't always, you know, it doesn't, it's so, ephemeral, uh, and like what, what thing leads you to anything else doesn't mean anything. You know, so there was this moment of like, oh, I've made it now from co-star to guest star to to TV, you know, and uh, then there was a a period of lull of like, oh, nothing else is happening. But um, just recently, I just directed uh, my first feature film that um, me and my friend worked on together for about a year. We had been uh, working together in a theater company called Ceaseless Fun. We had done five shows together and we had always been saying, buddy, flick or bust buddy flicker, bust we gotta gotta make our movie and my buddy uh steven had cast us my friend in the lead role in his film and we had this small scene together in his movie and we were like dude we gotta make our own nobody's gonna write this movie for us what are the chances you and i are gonna both audition for (laughs) like some movie and it's the perfect thing for us why not make our own so we we worked on a script for you know for six to eight months and shot the movie and Five days and now uh you know put it together during this whole pandemic, and now we 're submitting to festivals for next year and that's to, to me that 's like I think my biggest accomplishment is that I directed, produced it, and starred in a movie um, that I think is that i 'm really proud of
0: what is what does what does these online platforms mean to you as an artist about getting their work to the people? do you find it as a good thing or do you find it as you know what i mean because mm-hmm. now it used to take years for like a movie to come out but now with all these online platforms mm-hmm. you could release it through amazon prime you can release it here you can release it there like how do you use that and how does it hurt your business and hurt your form of being an artist
1: well as isn't as specifically an actor it doesn't um the effect is a little it's actually more beneficial as an actor you have you want to see my stuff, check it out on Netflix. You want to, I got this show on Amazon prime. It's a click away. It's really easy to forget to, um, when you start getting into the creator realm, uh, while it does change the distribution platform for independent creators, it also creates, um, a huge database that based on algorithms, your work can get lost in. Yeah. So maybe you, maybe you make a movie and you get a small distributor distributor and they get you on Netflix for a certain amount of time, you know, you're only trending maybe if at all for at tops a week, you know, and then you get lost into this thing of what's next, what's next, what's next. Um, So I think, I think it's a really powerful tool. I think there's a lot of money they're able to, to buy a lot of content. Um, But I think as an artist for myself and now as a creator that is, you know, essentially holding on to a small business, this film, I have to think what's best for me financially outside of just exposure. What is the best partnership that allows me to not just like, let's say Netflix buys my movie after a festival and it becomes a Netflix original. Netflix might own my movie for the rest of eternity. Mm -hmm. You know, what if, you know, is that the best decision for me? That's something I think we all as artists have to think about is like, what does this contract mean? How, what am I worth?
0: Intellectual no. property.
1: Yeah. Because our ideas are unique, you know, your your point of view, your opinion. Yeah. There's like, you know, there's comedians that.
0: Yeah, that's what I was about to say. There's comics that have sold their sets. And I've been approached like jokes that I've written that people want to buy and stuff like that. And I was like, eh, these are like my babies. These are my kids. Mm-hmm. Like, would you, part, would you put this joke on this, but you can't use it here or you can't do it then. And I'm just like, ugh.
1: Yeah. Ugh. Start getting locked up into that. those adult decisions of what is thinking about your career as a whole, but also as your heart as an artist. Like that, at a certain point, you. I mean, you see it with people that get disillusioned by or disheartened by the business aspect of it. But I think something that I've always um, been really clear on is that Every artist needs to understand the business. You have to, especially now when you have the tools to be able to film your own work, film your own comedy sets, write your own pilots, put it on YouTube, that we need to understand all those aspects. It used to be all you had to be was a comedian or an actor. And now it's like, you got to do it all. So to-
0: let's, let's say this. Let's say someone's new. Someone's 19 years old. They're moving to L.A., what would be the advice you would give
1: them? Oh, man. Um, I would say uh, find your community.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know, in comedy, I feel like that's something that's a little easier to do. You can go to open mics, start meeting people. Um, so for actors, it's take classes, um, go see other people's work. Like the idea of networking when I was in college was this thing that was pitched to me. And I was like, oh, my God, that sounds like so you know, like, oh, let's collab, you know, like all that kind of like, here's my business card. But to me, the true essence of networking and collaboration is like really supporting other people, sharing other people's work, going to other people's shows. You know, there's not some imaginary fan base that's just going to appear, you know, that by supporting other people and not saying like, I'm coming to see your show so you'll come see mine. I'm coming to see your show because I love your work. You know what I mean? Period. Period. And then maybe you have drinks afterwards and then you talk about like, hey, we should, why don't we do a set together? You ever thought about this? Who knows? But like, I think my advice is find that community and genuinely connect and support other people's work because the only way we can get anywhere is by supporting each other, you know?
0: Dude, it's so, and being a nice person. Some people don't understand. Yeah. Approachable and being so nice is half the battle.
1: Yeah. Well, you have celebrities that are able to be uh, not nice. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that can be this thing of like, oh well, you know, I've heard stories about this guy that's like rude to these people or whatever, and he's this person. And it's like, yeah, but maybe you're talking about like one out of out of however many thousands of people that are like that. You have to be a a good human being, person. I mean, like if I if someone's mean to you you're not going to be like oh i want to share their thing i want to go to their show you know when uh when
0: you say comedy what were type of comedy were you going to checking out stand-up shows improv I O A? what were you doing io what were you doing out there
1: i did um uh what's it called uh second up, upright citizens brigade oh ucb UCB. yeah yeah well, there's one took, out here yeah i took an improv class with them um and then, uh, and I tried some stand up a little bit, um, but um, I think that comedy for me was was taking that improvisation and and bringing it into, um, I, I, you know, like I don't know, I, I I like characters, I like creating characters, you know, and which
0: is I, a rare art form, man. A lot of people don't like make characters anymore. A lot of people, it's hard for them to do characters on stage and stuff. Yeah. But improvers, I take my hats off to them. I think it's tough. You know, I think stand up is fairly because it's you by yourself. But improv, accept mm-hmm. what's being told to you, progress the scene, everything else—that's freaking hard.
1: It is hard. I you you know you see someone like uh like Robin Williams is an incredible character actor, but you see his his stand up sets. It's like, you know, that Robin Williams was a huge inspiration for me as a kid. Like Hook, all of his early movies, like.
0: Dude, dude dude that is my favorite movie in the world do you remember oh
1: yeah I get qu-
0: like, <laughs> when they play hook like almost every weekend yeah i tell people that all the time I like i think i watched that show <laughs> 500 times
1: yeah i've seen it a ton man it's a great movie there's there's and and also if you think about um one of the reasons why i was really attracted to that movie it's a what is a story about like if you think about Hook, Field of Dreams, Star Wars, Indiana Jones—the connection to all these movies is these these men trying to uh, figure out their relationship to their fathers. <laughs>
0: wow! I wish I had a dad like you, Hook. Mm-hmm. Oh!
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Who do kids? Hook's got. He's gonna be happy here. <laughs> <laughs> Give him a chance. <laughs> <laughs> Don't listen to that brainless fungus and that stinking paradise. I am a panda. Rufio was my dude, man. I said, man, these Filipinos are tough, man.
1: <laughs> Peter, eat what? Gandhi had more food than this.
0: <laughs> You're doing it, Peter. You're doing it. Using your imagination. I don't know how long that movie is. That movie's like two and two and a half hours. Movie, two and a half. Oh hours man,
1: long. it's I a great realize, movie.
0: Like, TNT would just chop it up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. dude, that freaking scene, that one, That I remember I told this chick one time, <laughs> I told this chick in college, and I was like, you know, I was a childhood actor for a while. She's like, oh, what movie are you in? Like, <laughs> <laughs> like, what? I was like, yeah, that was me, that little black kid. a little black
1: kid. <laughs> that was me. What does he say? No what does he say when he draws it? He's like, if, if something, uh, if if he's not Peter Pan, then who is? <laughs> <laughs> he sure don't look happy here. Then
0: <laughs> Julia Roberts, yeah, give him a chance.
1: <laughs> Freaking
0: Dustin Hoffman plays <laughs> anus off his
1: hook, man. Glenn Glenn Close is in that movie too. He's Shmee, right? No, Glenn Glenn Close is the boob the guy that gets put in the boo box. She plays. What? A men- that's yeah, him. She, that's her. Glenn Close is a as a she's a female actress that's that plays that. like. I'm about
0: the wife. What shoes, one that got put in the boot box? Yeah,
1: the boot box. No, no, no. That
0: black dude was like, Aah. I was like, wow, yeah. black pirates and this and the Pirates of the Caribbean. <laughs> <laughs> they're in the Caribbean. <laughs> that one. Dude, I, I, true. That's the movie I fall asleep to. Yeah, man. And I'm like that's... dead tired. I'll just turn on a hook and just fall asleep to it. And they're like, I was at Caroline's and uh, I was like, when I first got to New York, and these waitresses I didn't know. And then, uh, this girl fell down. She fell down. She was very upset about that, and mm. she was like, telling me the story." And I was like, "Ooh, fee, like, ooh," and she just turned around and looked at him. She's like, "I love that movie." And then she introduced me to this comic, and then she goes, "You should do the show tonight." I said, "Yeah, I should. Yeah, yeah, I'll oh, do it." Wow. Look,
1: man. man. Yeah, dude. It's a. It's it's there's um there's a baseball scene in the movie that I made, uh, and it was like you know, wait for the good pitches, you know, like (laughs) the seeing, like seeing, um, I mean, I never played, I'm not really a base. I played like T-ball when I was a kid, but like, uh, there was something about like when I was making this movie that I was like, I got to put in a piece of, it was this, it was a piece that really felt like I was trying to shove this scene from this movie I loved in my childhood into a movie that shouldn't have that scene. And I remember my, my, uh, co-creator and I Dakota Lotion we were like he's like I don't know if this is gonna work and we you know we, we were out there on the day and it was like you had to drive an hour this way to get to this baseball field and it was like crazy windy and it was just like and we didn't have permits to shoot there it was like everything was saying this wasn't a good idea but I just had this feeling I was like no this is important and when we see the film now this this thing it works because it feels like it comes out of left field you know that, not to be like whatever.
0: Run, home Jack. Yeah,
1: yeah Run home no, jack. No, no, no. You've got it all wrong. Home run Jack. Jackie, my boy! <laughs> wait,
0: that's my Jack.
1: <laughs> <laughs> your parents don't love you. They can't wait to put you to bed. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Who was the one that missed your baseball game? <laughs> yeah.
1: me, you- me, 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 <laughs> my, 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 now, now, now. He tried to kill himself in that movie. Don't try to stop me, Smee. Don't you, dare try to stop me. Don't you try to stop me, Smee. Try to stop me. Don't you dare try to stop me, Smee. Why aren't you trying to stop me? Uh, uh, oh, man. I could I could hook all day, man.
0: Toodles. He's like, he lost his mom. Yeah,
1: he, he lost so sh- good. <laughs> he sure did. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> You know, my my mom and uh, my sister and I used to have like a road trip game where we would uh, we would play a game where you had to go around in turns and do a quote from a movie. So it'd be like, "Let's play Hook," and everybody would go around and someone would be like, "Never bugs, little ones," you know, or something like that. And then, until and, and then till whoever was left, the uh, two people like back and forth, you know.
0: Uh, paramecium brain
1: <laughs> skunkhead with too much moose. <laughs>
0: What is your favorite Robin Williams
1: movie? Oh man, I mean, I mean we're talking about it, dude. Hook. Hook is, yeah, it's Hook. I mean, it, it, Birdcage. There's so many. There's so many good ones. Of, um, you know, there's a, there's a in the documentary Come Inside My Mind. Mm-hmm. It was, it's really cool to see who he was on set during One Hour Photo. You know, he's playing this, and this is something that when I, I think about a lot when I'm playing these characters too, is that like. Evil characters can be funny. Evil yeah. characters can have humanity. That that's actually what makes them scarier is that they could be you or me. And so to see Robin Williams like you know punt like making jokes in between with the, the the cast and the crew, and then finding this like lightness in that character that is so dark and evil that you you know um, I don't know I mean I, that that guy was such an incredible performer.
0: Freaking Patch Adams Bicentennial mm-hmm. Man.
1: Bicentennial Man like. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I try to fall in love with a robot after that movie.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and how'd that work out for you?
0: <laughs> uh, you know, well, it seems like there was a movie called Her or something where someone falls in love with like a robot. With AI, yeah. AI, yeah. So, all right, so we're in LA, we're thriving and surviving, we're, we're making our own movies and stuff like that. You say you haven't spoken to your father in two years. What, what happened with those two years? Why did you stop speaking to him? Why, why does that
1: happen? Well, there was, there was like a, a culmination of things. Like when we, when I went to college, I kind of had this, um, you know, this feeling and perception of him. And then we, uh, I went back as you do when your parents still live in Japan, I went back and I, I spent a, I spent a weekend or a night with him at, um, at camp Tama, you know, that like place. And I'm in, um, who was there? It was coach kits and my dad. And I think coach Pujol was there. They were having like a men's like, retreat or something like that and um i'll I'll never forget um like my dad we were sitting around a fire and i'm 18 now you know like hanging out with them and my dad had went away for a second and coach was like you know you gotta your dad loves you you know and kind of gave me that talk of um and so that there was a period of time in that in that in that window from that moment of that the first time i was like seeing my my father as a man and also seeing some of these similarities in who i was in him and Um, where we kind of retained a a coming together relationship. But over the years, there was this discord with things he would say to my sister or ways in which he treated my mom or, um, you know, uh, just these things of who he was. And I was at a point in my life where I was like choosing as an adult, who was in my life. You know, if I have a friend that is a bad influence on me is uh you know causing me a lot of issues that person doesn't need to be in my life and i'm an adult i can choose that and so there was a point in him and i's relationship where i just decided that um i had tried i had tried to have it in my life in many many ways and that i needed to uh take some time to block from all channels disconnect and and not communicate and i would i uh, i would be lying if i said that i don't think about it often of reaching out, calling and talking. But this is one of those things where it's like, in order to really repair that relationship, we need to have, whether he's capable of this or not, like a sit down in person and talk about with all the things taken away of like, this is, this is what happened. This is how I feel about you. These are these things. And, and face each other with those truths and without doing that i can't i can't maintain a relationship that is platonic of just niceties and hey how are you
0: what's stopping you from doing that
1: <clears throat> i don't know i've i had a i got in a car, a pretty serious car accident um, like a year ago and the tow me and the tow truck driver were like driving for a while and it was so bizarre man like i, I don't even know how he he got into talking about his son or something like that. And then asked me about my dad. And then the next, the rest of the ride was about, you know, him as a father, this mistakes he's made to his son, you know, you don't want to, you don't want him to pass away with, you know, all this on your plate and all that kind of stuff. And really felt like, Whoa, where is this coming from? Like the universe is like sending this, uh, tow truck driver to tell me to talk to my father. You know, I mean, that's how the universe works, but, um, I think I'm waiting for the right time.
0: Well, what what does your mother want you to do?
1: Um, well, you know, she's, she is, um, she knows like my feelings on, on that. And, um, I don't know. I I guess it's not something that we really talk about so much. Um,
0: a long time, 10 years is a long time, man. You said mm
1: -hmm. 18. Well, I know we, him and I, um, him and I have, like, it was, a, a, like, two years ago that I, like, oh. kind of, like, stopped, stopped communicating with them all together. Do so.
0: you find it ironic that the people that were like father figures to you advising you? Like, what did they feel when Coach Kidd said that to you?
1: Um, it was interesting because it was, like, it's, too, it's, like, a double-edged sword. One side is, like, you know, this is someone that – wasn't in my family that it's you know, like, not it's not my dad's brother, it's not my mom telling me to do it, it's not my sister, it's someone that knows my dad devoid of the like separate, he knows him as an individual human being, you know, because with family, sometimes you have all that history and stuff that kind of convolutes that. But then the other side was like, yeah, but you don't know all that other stuff, you know, it's like, you, you know, my that, dad is this, huh? You think he does because, yeah, he does, I'm sure.
0: I think that. There's something about those those gang of people, like they all hung out with each other, but they all knew each other's dirt. Mm-hmm. And there's been plenty of times where Pujo, not Pujo, kids talked me off the edge of saying something wild. Mm. And I never understood why. I even as men we talk, and he told me certain things. Because so I remember I told him I was like, I remember I told him I was like, I'm gonna go punch Coach Pujo in his face. <laughs> And I was, and I, and I kid you not, I was this close of doing, Mm. I was about to walk and knock those blonde tips right off his face. (laughs) Right. I was this close. I had a 45 pound plate in my hand and I told kids what I was about to do. And he, he talked to me. He's like, he's like, what, why are you doing this? Mm. And he was like, Jared, you sound, this sounds wild for you doing this. And I was like, yeah, that dude embarrassed me. That dude, like that embarrassment was big on me. Mm. Like big on me, the feeling of not being enough. And this guy telling me I'm not enough. I was like, I've done everything. And I remember I was like, I'm just going to go. I'm going to fight him. I'm going to go beat him. I know he can't handle me. I know he's not fast enough. I know I've been, I just, I just picked up 215. I know I can slam him. I know I can <laughs> him out. And Kitts was like, he goes, you, and I, 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 this quote, he didn't say this quote, but it's the quote I developed. He goes, if you're doing it to prove somebody wrong, you're not doing it the right way. mm yeah, what are you proving to yourself that you can beat up an old man? Are right. you are you trying to tell yourself that he hurt you because he made you feel like you weren't enough?
1: Mm.
0: And go, what are you proving? Are you proving it to? Do you want to prove it to yourself? You're proving it to him that he's wrong. And I was like, freak. So when I, it's it's wild when we these people that are in our lives give us these gems that we're not ready to process. Yeah, i was like, how the freak does this guy know what I'm about to do? Yeah. And I was this. I was so freaking. When I tell you I was close, I was so, I was so freaking close. Man, you know how close I was to be all like, man, I'll get expelled. But I know this feeling was like that. And then I was like, wow. And I was like, wow. How did how did this guy know exactly what I was about to do? How did he know to talk to me at the right time to tell me like, where are you going? What are you about to do? You don't need to do that. What are you so mad about? And I was like, man, he just de-escalated me, and I was like, freak, man. Yeah. So. I got, yeah, I, said, I, said, I don't know why, because when you said that, when he said that, I was like, he said he loved you, I was like, man, he has those mm. simple situations where he's like whispering things in my ears, and I hear it later in life, and I was like, freak, how do kids get in here? The freak out, all the people, how is he, like, inside my head right now?
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I think that's, I think that's the power of, I mean, if you look at our our, our country and the uh, the the lack of support and funding and uh, priority given to teachers and educators. I mean, people that decide to do that are not doing it because they're trying to get rich, you know? And I think, you know, men like kits and, and, and posy and Theck for some people, I'm sure, you know, that kids that are in MIT, now, like John Saffold probably is like, Oh, I'm Mr. Thack, you know, <laughs> but like, you know, those teachers are, that's what outside of teaching math or whatever that is, they, some of them have that insight and those things of truly understanding people and, and not only just people, but understanding how, um, open, I don't know, like how, how to, how to see those moments in children and people that are growing up or adolescents, whether it's elementary and middle college, high school, whatever that is. I mean, those people are, are, um, yeah. I mean, th- there's a lot of power in that.
0: Now, it's crazy how there's different sides of North Carolina would how we link up? Shamar's from North Carolina. Mm-hmm. Same thing, same thing. Issues like that, dealing with that—the yeah. feeling of not feeling wanted, and the feeling of thinking that you're too much, or not resolving mm-hmm. issues and stuff like that. I was like, "That's so crazy how we all just like the giver," like you said, that whole book. Yeah, I would reread it, but I don't know the
1: frequency. <laughs> <laughs> don't watch the movie. You the know,
0: bad. <laughs> Yeah,
1: yeah, just yeah. I mean, I don't want to, you know. But
0: so as you, as you become Scott, now we're Scott now. What's that like dating now? Do you find a new appreciation for like women? Are you have, are you single? Are you out on Tinder? Like, what do you do? No, I'm in,
1: I'm in a, I'm in a relationship. We've been dating for, I don't know, three, three years. It's a little, um, our relationship (laughs) calendar. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. But, um, yeah, it's an interesting thing of, uh, um, I think there's, there's a lot of, um, I think as, as you get older, you're like, I'm 32 now. Uh, there's a, there's a a phase in relationships where everyone's already kind of like growing, you know, you're still like adapting or whatever, but there's something about when you get in your thirties and you're in a relationship where, the level, especially if you are with an evolved, you know, intelligent, powerful woman that they, that you need to keep growing. So you meet, you know, you meet at a certain point. It's like I'm Scott three years ago. She's Meredith three years ago. Um, And you meet at that point and you love each other at that level. And you know, that can last for however long, but you have to grow together. And that's the, that's the work. The work is to set aside time, outside of the day-to-day stuff to, you know, to, to, to continue growing each other's minds, connecting to each other spiritually. Um, It's a, it's work, you know what I mean? And, but that connection and that growth is, is, it creates a strong um, support system and also just a connection that's deeper than just like, we're two people who like, who like each other, you know? Where did you guys meet? We met in, um, I t- she hates this. We were at some stand-up comedy show, and we were in the front. They're like, oh, "You guys are so cute. Where'd you guys meet?" And I was like, "Craigslist," <laughs> 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 because she, she was uh, she had just moved from Chicago to LA, and was and I was working with that theater company. We had reached out; we were looking for a producer, uh, and so she came in to help us produce a show we were working on. And we we were friends for a couple years before we started dating.
0: So she's a part of the business as well.
1: Yeah, she does, but she does her, um, she works as an event producer, um, and then also produces and directs theater in her off time. And there's, there's something nice about, um, working with someone that's like tangentially connected to what you do. Mm -hmm. So it's like, you know, maybe two comedians dating might be hard or two actors dating would be a little competitive. Wow. But we have, we have these two kind of separate paths, me being more of an actor director, her being more a director producer, Mm -hmm. um. So we can meet in the middle sometimes and collaborate and work together and create shows together. And then we can also have our own lives of doing things that are completely separate. What would you say
0: is the easiest part about this relationship?
1: Um, I would just say that the, there, there's, a, there, there's some relationships that you're in that to, the closeness is something that takes work. Mm-hmm. You know, and then you know when you some, you meet somebody, and it's just easy. It like fits. You know what I mean? The hand fits right with the hand. Man. The the cuddle always fits. The hugs. You know, there's just like a thing of like, oh, this is like. This is, you know, maybe we've known each other before in some other life or something. There's and that's um, again, uh, you know, can be a double edged sword because there's like, oh, there's so much ease. We have that. Let's ride on that forever. But, you know, that's that thing of like, well, just because that's easy doesn't mean that that's all there is, you know, there's more beyond that, you know, so.
0: Well, Scott, we got to who you are as a person. Now, this is the part of the podcast. We call this the hilltop questions, right? Okay. You can answer this however you want. It could be short form. It could be long form. And you're just going to answer these questions to the best of your ability.
1: All right. Is there? A, oh, gonna, there's no grade on this, right? This isn't no, like a, no grade, man. Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, do you believe in God? Um, God as uh, that's a hard, that's a tricky question. I believe in uh, higher power. Okay.
0: Uh, did you ever have a favorite person in the Bible?
1: Um, Joseph. Oh, why Joseph? Joseph, the dreamer, uh, the story of, uh, Joseph and, and Potiphar and the, the brothers and he's cast into the pit. And then he has these dreams, these like dream visions. Um, it's my middle name. Um, I didn't really find the comparison of that, that person and myself until I started becoming a creator and realizing that dreams were a huge reason like I'm a big dreamer, and a, I think that that connection is really interesting. Do you think
0: you speak through dreams as well sometimes?
1: Yeah. In my, um, <clears throat> in my most recent movie, there's, a, there's a two dream sequences from the, from the main character. It's kind of like a way to bring that dream world into, you know, sometimes how you can see almost into the future in your dreams or alternate realities.
0: Mm. Um, okay, next one. Uh, do you got a favorite verse? You ever have a favorite verse in the Bible?
1: Um favorite verse in the Bible. I liked I've always liked I don't know if this is in a, an exact quote, um, but if like it's like if two are, mo- two if are two, more if two two more are gathered in prayer, um he is with you, or whatever that is. And I la- I like that because that to me extends outside of prayer as the, in the sense we think of, of like, dear God, bless this meal. Um, that, that you can't do it alone. You can, you have a connection on your own, but the power of collaboration, the power of more people, that's when, that's when the energy of God, the spirit, holiness, whatever you want to call it is there.
0: When's the last time you had a nightmare?
1: Um, uh Last time I had a nightmare, oh, last night, kind of um <laughs> I wrecked my motorcycle um last night you did yeah, last night in my dream, oh, <laughs> yeah, I woke up and like checked my bike just to make sure but uh you know i've had I have some pretty vivid ones, um but most recently was that that I crashed my bike and um it was gonna cost a lot to fix it, and I was walking in the middle of the highway, you know kind of just lost you know when's the last time you had a panic attack um um a panic attack um i think oh man i don't know um some people don't have them yeah i don't don't know that I don't know that I've had a, a, a panic attack, but um, I think that I, there, there was a, a long period of time in the creation of this movie I've been working on where um, durational pressure, financial mm-hmm. pressure, pressure to be a good director, a first time director, pressure to be a leader, pressure and, you know, whether I was going to be a good actor as well. And like, you know, it was... Um, It was a lot of pressure to carry on my shoulders for a long period of time. And I think that there was a good part of that where I was in, um, you know, not panicking, but in like an unhealthy state of mind that took the meditation and like actively trying to calm myself and remember that like, one of my favorite things to do when I get really stressed is to like go up to the Griffith observatory and watch a planetarium show mm. and you see how infinitely small we are yeah, in the universe. And that reminds me that I, I hold the pressure of nothing. You know, I, I am this tiny little speck, you know, and it just makes me feel okay. Everyone's, everyone's my same exact size. Yeah. You know what I mean? So
0: all right, this one is a series of questions, right? I'm going to ask the same question over and over. And your goal is to go beyond yourself. This question is called, who are you? So if you ask a question, you're like, who are you? I would say, Jared Waters, who are you? Two-time wrestling champ, who are you? Stand-up comedian, who are you? Brother, who are you? That's how you do it. So mm. the go beyond who Scott is and like, who are you? How do you define yourself?
1: Oh, wow, okay. Are you cool. ready? Yeah. Who are you? Scott Monahan. Who are you? I'm an actor. Who are you? director
0: who are you?
1: i'm a creator who are you? uh i'm a lover who are you? i'm a friend who are you? i am a uh, uh someone's son who are you? i am a brother who are you? i am a, a i am a soul <laughs> <laughs> I'm a collection of molecules. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it, it, it doesn't have to be, and when we do this later, like 10 years from now, you're,
1: you're, mm-hmm.
0: the way you define yourself changes. Yeah. You know, so it doesn't have to be, or Gant is just like sporadic, what you think off the top of your head.
1: Mm.
0: There's a quick question I forgot to ask you. Do you believe in soulmates?
1: Um, yeah, I believe in soulmates. I, I believe that um, I also am... I believe in uh, compatibility percentages as well. <laughs> exactly. So I think that there are, um, I think that there's there's a there's a good chance and possibility that there are many soulmates, mm-hmm. in which your souls will match, and I think that there is a what I call a compatibility percentage. So it's like, you know, you might be. 99.9% compatible with someone and a soulmate, but you also might have a soulmate that you met when you were in your 20s who at that time was that that compatible for you. And But over time, maybe that, that compatibility changes. That's the last question.
0: If someone had a book and had the Scott Joseph Monahan story, what would you want them to say about you? When it's all said and done and they hand your story to somebody, what do you want them to say about you?
1: Um... I would hope that um, that in my life, I was able to show people how much I loved them and that I, that I took the time to tell them that I really saw them. Mm-hmm. I think that sometimes the surface level, hey, how are you? What are you up to? Let's get a drink. You see that sports game, um, but those getting into those, those harder conversations like this one we're having now, which is like probably one of the hardest, like an emotional level. I've talked to somebody in a while um, that I would hope that people um, that I, that I gave enough of that to people in my life.
0: And I, and I appreciate you for doing this, man, because a lot of people, I think that we all learn from each other.
1: Mm, for sure.
0: We learn all from each other. And we learn from life experiences. And if someone's experienced his life before us and walked enough steps, you can at least see the steps and be like, oh, wow, he already walked those steps. So maybe I should go this way or maybe I should try to tread lightly, or maybe I should just jump right into this water because he jumped in. And that gives me confidence for me to jump in, you know? Mm. Well, ladies and gentlemen, this is the podcast. This is the podcast, One Man, One Tree in a Hill. Scott, how can we find you? How can the people find you and find your artwork and everything else? How can we find you?
1: Yeah, well, if you, if you want to follow my movie, which should be coming out sometime next year, festivals near you or whatever, it's um, Anchorage Movie at, on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, Anchorage Like Alaska, Anchorage Movie. Um, and then my, my own personal Instagram is at Chips Ahoy Junkie. <laughs> I'm recovering Chips Ahoy cookie addict. So uh, careful, there's some not safe for work pictures on there. Your only (laughs) fans Yeah yeah. It's a combination of both Um, But yeah check me out You can look me up on IMDB or Facebook Or wherever and um, if you're ever in LA And are looking to meet up with someone And get a coffee or beer or talk about an idea Or just meet up with somebody And you feel alone in the city hit me up Ladies and gentlemen that's Mr. Scott Monahan
0: Hey you're live on the podcast One man one tree in a hill Say what up to the people this is when I see black excellence, man. It's Dave Chappelle, Michael Che, Lauren Michaels, Chris Rock, Eddie Murphy, all sitting at the table. I said, yo, Eddie, Mr. Murphy, as I just wanna say, man, you the GOAT, man. You the coldest
1: nigga that ever walked the face of the earth.
0: You gotta break that thing over. She wants it private, but y'all not even together right
1: now. So we haven't spoken about anything but the cat for at two least months, two months. months.
0: I said, uh-uh, I'm to be the next Jamar Neighbors. Yeah. And she was up like, I know that's right. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, thank you for listening to the podcast. My name is Jerry Waters, and I'll catch you next time. Like, subscribe, rate the podcast. Have a wonderful night, wonderful day, whatever you're listening to. I'll see you soon.